Let's pray. Good Father God, we thank you that you know us truly and fully. You are with us, just as you were with Jacob. We pray that you would teach us more of yourself and open the gates of heaven so we can see you. Amen. Please take your seats. So we have more in, our, in the soap opera of Genesis. It really is like a soap opera, isn't it? And the way we're looking at it, we're, we're just turning the, the TV on and seeing one bit of it from time to time. It is a really good idea to try and get the whole story. Um, I, I often like to read the Bible in, in different versions. And at the moment, my favorite version is called the Brick Testament. And um, it's, it's pictures of, of Lego made into Bible stories. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, big characters, unbelievable storylines, ridiculous. And we're just popping in and out. And, and Chris said very similar to me um, yes, last week. He encouraged us to read whole chunks of the story. Um, and in order to get a good idea of what's going on here, it's really from chapter 28 to chapter 37 the story of Jacob and Esau and everything that goes on between Jacob and his wives. Because he is our hero of the day. Son of Isaac and Rachel, brother of Esau, liar, cheat, carrier of the birthright of the patriarchs. And like Michael said, running for his life at the time that we hear about. I want today to look at two different encounters that Jacob had with God. This encounter that we heard about and another one that happens in a few chapters in chapter 32. But this first time, that place where Jacob was, where he was lying, where God said that you're going to inherit this particular bit of land, it's about 10 miles away from what would be Jerusalem. And he renames it. Bethel, house of God. He lies down to sleep and sees an angel, a fiery ladder. Crazy, what had he been eating? I don't know. Um, But God speaks to us in so many different ways. He's reminded of the blessing that has fallen on him, the blessing of his father and his granddad. Everyone on earth will be blessed through him. What, What would this have sounded like and felt like for somebody to hear? Your ancestors are going to be as numerous as the bits of dirt that you're lying on at the moment. What an incredible thing. And in between this encounter and the next one that I'm going to talk about, um, Jacob ends up marrying two women and breeding a lot of sheep and goats. And Danny's going to be talking about that next week. That's going to be fun for you, Danny. Yes. Um, (laughs) The second encounter with God happens when Jacob is running for his life again. This time with a family and a large flock in tow. And this is the encounter that I really want to concentrate on today. It's in chapter 32, starting at verse 22, if you want to see it. I think we're asked a lot of important questions here. And one of them is something that pops up a lot in our Christian life. 
How can it be possible for two seemingly different things to be true at the same time? Two very different encounters with the same God seem very, very different indeed. In this next encounter, Jacob stops at a place near a river. He sends his family ahead. He's about to meet his brother again for the first time in 20 years, and he is incredibly worried about it. Because last time he saw Esau, Esau said that he was going to kill him. Because, for a very good reason, Jacob had lied and cheated and stolen Esau's birthright. So Jacob's held back and he stayed over the river while his family and the rest of everyone had crossed over. And what happens next is so, so strange. Jacob meets a man and they wrestle all night. Normal? I don't think so. They wrestle all night. And we're told that the pair were so equally matched that nobody could win. But right at the end, the mystery stranger just touches Jacob and his hip is put out of joint. Uh, goodness. Okay, what are we to make of this? We're not told who the man is initially, but it becomes pretty clear that this person is God, or the angel of God. Jacob asks, no, he, he actually demands that the stranger stays and blesses him. Um, oh, could we not have that on there? Is that all right? It's, it's actually distracting me. Um, Jacob's name is, is um, changed to Israel at the end of the second encounter. The one who has struggled with God and has overcome. So two very different encounters with God. I want to look at a few things about this last encounter. Jacob had to recognize who God was. Jacob had to wrestle with God. And Jacob remembered God. And I'm really sorry that all of those sound like R, but one of them, one of them is a W. Um, I didn't do that on purpose. There is a forest in a country park near Southampton, um, or, or a wood anyway. You walk past an old hospital into a wooded area through a five-bar gate. Initially, it's very close and quite dark as you're walking along. After about 50 metres, the path opens out into a beautiful ancient forest of very tall trees. It feels like being in a cathedral. The first time I went there, it was a sunny day, and the, the light was absolutely gorgeous. I had to stop still, and I couldn't believe how beautiful it was. And I've been back there a few times. You may have heard a lot of people describe specific places as places where they can really feel like they're in contact with God. Places where they know God's presence with them. Of course, God is everywhere. There is no place where God is not. We've just prayed earlier on that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we can worship God. Every time we breathe in, we're breathing in. God's presence. But there do seem to be places where people encounter God in special ways. I wonder if you can think of any examples. It could be an outdoor place like that, that forest. It could be an island. It could be a boat. It could be a house. It could be a church. I wonder what people feel when they come in here. 
I wonder if this is a place where people can encounter God. One of the things we're really thinking about and praying about at the moment is really creating a place where people can encounter God and thinking about how our buildings can help do that. Of course, it's only one way, but it's important to consider long and hard what we do with our buildings. And there are some blueprints over there um, with some ideas about how we might make this into a, a place where we can really encounter God. But it doesn't need to be an incredibly expensive place, does it? We just need to be able to be in God's presence. And if you do find a place like that, I tell you, keep going back. Keep going back and um, encountering God's presence. It might be a specific part of your living room where you have a seat and you find it easy to pray there because there's a nice view or it's comfy. That is a good place to go. We need to be able to recognize God's presence in our lives. Like Jacob recognized God's presence in that place that became Bethel. It doesn't always happen. We also need to ask other people, where do you encounter God? So Jacob recognized God and we need to be able to recognize God as well. And here we come to the big paradox in this story. So many paradoxes in the Christian life. Why on earth would God want to wrestle with Jacob? Why would he do that? Why would he choose to do that? Who started the wrestling match? Why didn't God just win? There are so many questions. So, so many questions. Now, Will and I have have watched some of the new Netflix program called Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. It is very much a soap opera. Sorry, it's, it's pretty good. It's all big hair, spandex, ridiculous fake body slams, it, and acrobatic moves. Like, a bit like Big Daddy, but Big Mummy. Um, but this isn't the kind of wrestling we're talking here. It's not Superman, it's not crazy and, um, Olympic stuff. Now, these two wrestled for hours. I can't imagine what it would have been like. Were they talking? Were they arguing? What was happening? Very interesting. Why would God want to wrestle with somebody who he he had promised to be with forever, who he had promised to bless? I I don't think that I'm going to give you a brilliant answer to this conundrum. It is a big question again. Why does God let difficult, bad suffering happen to people he loves? There are a couple of clues. Remember in our reading that God has already promised to be with Jacob all of the time, just like he was with his father and his grandfather. Well, God had been with him all the time after that promise, through the Rachel and Leah soap opera, all of the stuff that happened with his father-in-law. And maybe this is God requiring Jacob to remember that he is real that God is real. This encounter requires requires great persistence from Jacob. Who knows what was going on between them? They fought. They must have talked to each other. They fought and fought and they continued to struggle and Jacob just didn't give up. It does actually say that the man knew that he couldn't vanquish Jacob. 
What is that all about? Sometimes it really does feel like life is a long struggle that we never quite finish. Last week, Chris rightly reminded us that sometimes we have things in our history that need to be dealt with by prayer and healed. The Holy Spirit can and does move in very powerful and miraculous ways to take away sickness and pain, to help heal old wounds. That is true. And we must always ask for what we need. Jesus healed many people from sickness and disease, as did his disciples. That remains true today. However, there is another truth that seems paradoxical. There are some things that don't seem to go away with prayer, however much we pray. Sometimes it seems that people are not healed. Jesus knew this. He knew this personally. He knew what it was to struggle. He asked for his suffering to be taken away, and it wasn't. And St. Paul tells us of an affliction that he has which is not taken away, even with much prayer. We don't know exactly what Paul's affliction was, and we don't know exactly why it remained, but it did. And it made him trust God. Maybe you have prayed fervently for something and it has never happened. Maybe people have prayed for you and those prayers don't seem to have come answered. Jacob had to struggle with God. And often we need to struggle with God. We have to actually engage with God and keep struggling. As I said before, it's always right to ask for healing because that's what God does. He loves us. He loves us to ask. But sometimes that healing comes in ways that we don't understand in the long term. And sometimes it requires struggle. It's maybe like that image of the butterfly coming out of the chrysalis. And it breaks through slowly and painstakingly. And it's very tempting, I imagine, if you see it, to want to help it a little bit. But we all know that if you do help a butterfly out of a chrysalis, the butterfly does not develop as it needs to and it can't fly. Now, there are things in my early life that, which I used to wish that I could change. They've made my life very challenging in some ways. But only now, after a long process, am I starting to realize that those things have been necessary. They're a part of who I am. Now, don't get me wrong. Nobody wants to wish pain and suffering and loss and grief upon themselves or anybody else in the name of self-improvement. That's just stupid. Ridiculous thing. We wouldn't ask this. But ask yourself this. Think about the people you trust and respect the most. Have their lives been perfect? Have they ever known pain and suffering? I imagine their lives have not been perfect and they have had to live through pain and suffering because this is one of the things that makes us wise. This is one of the things that makes us actually depend on God. Healing and change need to happen holistically. We are to love God with our heart, soul, mind and strength because he loves 
He loves all those parts of us, all those aspects. I would, of course, always recommend that we pray for healing with each other. And we offer prayer for healing every, every week and whenever people want to. So after, the, after, after communion, you could come and pray for somebody. And we believe that God can change people. But I would also recommend that at some point of our lives, we all need other forms of healing. We have a wonderful counselling service here, just over the road here at Crossways, information about which can be found at the back of church. We also have Acorn Healing just up the road in Borden. They do regular healing services and days, which I highly recommend. And Helen Mitchell is, is very involved with working with them. Please talk to her. And um, there's a diocesan day of healing and wholeness later in the year at Acorn, which will be a wonderful thing. It is good to think of healing as a holistic thing. It's all of us. It's not just one thing. Because life is, can sometimes seem like we're wrestling with God, asking the same questions over and over again. Just like Jacob did. This is, the, the way this wrestling match finished is really very odd. How did it finish? God gave Jacob a bad hip. That's odd. Now, I'm not going to ask how many new hip joints we have in this room. <laughs> that might be a surprising answer. But anybody here will know that if you have anything wrong with your body, it reminds you all the time that there's something wrong. And every time Jacob felt his hip after this wrestling match, he would have remembered God. Because this is the final point here. We need to remember God's presence with us. We need to remember that wrestling. Something going wrong with our bodies can always remind us of how much we need others, how much we need God. Even something tiny, like a bad tooth or a mouth ulcer. Definitely something like a, a hip joint. God perhaps wanted to remind Jacob that he was as near to Jacob as his hip joint. He was constantly there all the time. And God's presence changed Jacob totally, not just his hip. You'll notice when you read the story of Jacob that Jacob loves to rename things. He renames places all the time. I don't know if he put a sign up or if it was just in his own head or in his own family. So he renamed Bethel, house of God. The place where he re wrestled with God, he renamed it Peniel, which means seeing God face to face. And Jacob himself has a change of name at this point. He becomes Israel, the one who struggled with God and man, but did not die. The one who actually ends up lending his name to a whole nation. Now, we all have a name that was given to us when we were born. But I wonder, what would God rename us? What would we rename ourselves after encountering God? Maybe you're the one who always thinks of others. Maybe you're the one who gets things done. 
Maybe you're the one who loves God like a child. Maybe you're the one who loves God's presence. I wonder what your name is. We need to remember God's presence with us. Sometimes it's really easy to forget, isn't it? But we need to remember God's presence with us, just like Jacob remembered his bad hip, just like he felt it. Maybe when there's something that we're struggling with in our body, mind, or spirit, that could make it easier for us to remember God. That struggle can take a long time, just like it did with Jacob. I mean, it took hours for Jacob, but that struggle with God can take years. It can take our whole life. But we need to remember that we follow a God who knows what it is to struggle. Not just with Jacob. Jesus struggled in when, when he lived as well. He contended with many things. We need to contend with God. We have to engage with God. We've got to ask God the difficult questions. God can take all the wrestling we can dish out. Because struggling with God is a good sign. It's a sign that we are growing and changing. God is with us all the time, just as God was with Jacob, just as God was with Isaac, just as God was with Abraham. However, sometimes we act like God just isn't there. We need to be able to struggle with God. But in order to struggle with God, we need to acknowledge God's presence with us. We have to go to those places where we feel God's presence. We have to do those things that make us aware that God is with us. Let's ask God for strength to see God, to wrestle with God, and to remember God. Amen.